This podcast is an expression of the personal views and opinions of the hosts and guests, and they do not represent the official stance of the podcast, its sponsors, or affiliated organizations. The podcast may cover topics such as drugs, mental illness, politics, and religion, which can be controversial or sensitive. The podcast does not support any illegal activities and advises listeners to seek help from appropriate professionals for any personal concerns related to these topics. The information provided in the podcast is for general informational purposes only, and it is not a substitute for professional advice. Listeners are urged to consult with a qualified healthcare professional for any questions regarding their mental or physical health. The podcast and its creators are not responsible for any loss or harm resulting from the use or reliance on the information provided in the podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Street Stoke podcast hosted by Jay and Nate. And tonight, we invited back our guest, Mike, from episode four. Mike, what's up? How are you doing tonight? Got a lot to be thankful for, Nate. All right. So, uh, episode four recap, we talked about Rudyard Kipling's poem, If. The poem, in a sense... It embodies the heart and soul of Stoicism. That's at least what we felt. If you're interested in finding out more about how we related those two things, go ahead and uh, listen to that that episode. And tonight, our topic is... Jay, what's our topic? Good old ego. Okay. So we did a little research, all three of us, and I think how we're going to break this episode down is we're going to go over the different definitions, because there's a few out there. We'll discuss those, we'll probably put our insights on them, and we're going to see exactly how the Stoics handled or looked at ego. To me, Stoicism is kind of anti-ego. Wouldn't you say, guys? Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree that 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 is the case. Um, in a lot of the Stoic quotes and Stoic writings, um, you hear a lot of mentions of the control of, you know, your ego that that side of you that that can consume you and dictate, you know, your your life, the way that, the way that it, it, it just wants to keep you in a comfort zone. It wants to make sure that you're either safe or in some cases it, it goes to the extreme and it thinks that it makes you think that you are better than everyone else and that you are the, you're know-it-all that it, 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 it makes you feel grandiose in a, in a very negative light. So um yeah ego ego is that that very negative aspect of us that the stoics talked about it about it a lot about controlling that and making sure that you 
were a humble person, you knew you had humility. Yeah, that's solid. So uh, I know you had mentioned you found at least three different kind of definitions for ego. Uh, how do you want to hammer this out? Which one do you want to go over first? Because I think we should just, just do one of them. Uh, go over that and then, you know, kind of give our takes on it and move forward. What do you guys think? I think we should discuss at least the two specific ones, um, the colloquial usage and the philosophical one, the philosophical one being more closer to what the Stoics uh, believed as far as ego. And we can just kind of describe, read the definition for the other one. Yeah, let's do it. So our good old friend on the internet, um, <laughs> uh, I asked it, what is ego? And the response was, the term ego has several meanings depending on the context in which it is used. Here are some of the most common meanings of the term. One, in psychology, ego refers to the part of the psyche that is responsible for one's sense of self and identity. It is the part of the mind that is responsible for balancing our primitive desires, id, for societal societal expectations, norms, superego. Uh, this particular definition uh, breaks down the ego into three different def- um, characteristics or aspects of it. Um, in this particular definition, uh, it mentions that there is three three sides to ego: regular ego which is all it does is satisfy the id or the superego, of which the id is based on urges, uh, needs, desire, impulsiveness, and reactive. While the superego is self-critical, acceptable way, and guilt. Um, those are the characteristics of those. And I mean, I, I, I get I get that type of uh, description. I mean, when when I see this uh, with words that have different definitions, it it lets me see that people view certain things the same way, but just completely describe it in their own way. The only way that they are able to make it make sense for them, so they'll find a definition. And in this one, I mean, it. it, it I see it. It kind of makes sense that there is three different aspects to ego. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, dude, that's that's very interesting. It's uh, while you were reading that, right? Basically, the two things that suck out to me the most were id and the superego. And what I was thinking while you were explaining it was id might be the thing that the Stoics really are believing that that's the the extra weight we need to sh- the shed, right? Those are the things that uh, could influence us by external events, circumstances, motivations, things like that. And the superego, you said, you know, it's being critical about yourself and uh, analyzing things. And I relate that directly to, like, you know, journaling, self-reflection. And it's almost like the superego is, you know, the hero of your story. It's the person you should be. 
very interesting. It reminds me of some of the stuff that I've been reading from. I, we tried to pronounce this last time. Uh, Plutarch. Was it Plutarch? That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the proper pronunciation. Right. So <laughs> at least I got that right. Uh, but yeah, it, it seems like I'm really interested in finding out more about the superego and the difference of id. Because it's, yeah, man, that's very intriguing stuff. Mike, what do you got for us? What do you, what do you think about that? It, it's interesting. Because um, when, I, when I think of ego um, and balancing your ego, um, I like to compare confidence and arrogance right there's a very fine line between the two um you know when you're when you're confident you're you uh understand that you're uh you're good in cer certain areas you're very skillful in certain areas um but you understand that you can still learn and improve uh as you move on uh and and go through your life right um where arrogance um that's where you inflate your ego right and that's kind of when you guys are talking about the id and the super super ego um i kind of see that as kind of the same as as uh you know the id being the arrogance piece of that and um maybe your super ego as being the confidence part of that yeah that's a good description of it um Actually, right here I have the uh, definition to what they are. The id is the instinctual component of personality that is present at birth and is the source of the bodily needs and wants, emotional impulses and desires, especially aggression and the libido, sex drive. The id acts according to the pleasure principles, the physique, the psychic force, uh, Oriented in immediate gratification of impulse and desire, defined by the avoidance of pain. And then our friend ego, the ego acts according to the real, reality principle. It seeks to please the id's drive in realistic ways. In the long term, bring benefit rather than grief. At the same time, Freud concedes that the ego attempts to mediate between id and reality. It is often oblique to the cloak unconscious commands of the id with its own pre-conscious re-rationalizations re to conceal the id's conflicts with reality to profess, to be taking notice of reality even when the id has remained rigid and unyielding. Jeez, that was a long one. And superego reflects the internalization of cultural rules mainly taught by parents applying the guidance and influence so yeah it's it's a very very different uh different description it's very um like more scientifical more analytical to kind of be more precise as to the whole of what an ego is because i think for a lot of us we're we we view ego in what definition two is in the colloquial usage which uh here it tells us ego can refer to a person's sense 
of self-importance, pride, or arrogance. This usage typically has a negative connotation and implies that someone has an inflated sense of their own importance or abilities. Which, that is kind of how we, I mean, at least I have always seen or thought about when I thought about the word ego in that definition. That's kind of how I always viewed it. But from, you know, a lot of the readings that I've been doing and the videos and stuff and the information just coming across here, what we just read, ego is bigger than just that. And like in one of the episodes back, I had said that what I feel like I've experienced is complete ego death. I, 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 I feel like that's actually not true. I think that the ego is always there with stoicism. I think what you do is you kind of crush it down and hold it down and make sure that you know when to use it. Because as we've as we saw with definition one, there is times when that ego comes into play, where it does actually help you, where that confidence is, is needed. So those characteristics are defined under or, or part of what the ego is. So I do believe that ego sometimes can be used for your own benefit, especially if, you know, there's instances where you need to take caution here. It takes over and it actually lets you know, hey, maybe not, not this time. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's, that's kind of the cool stuff about this, right? Like reading about this and that's where my ego is not present, right? So I, I said something. I don't feel like I need to stick to that because I said something because how, how am I going to go back on something that I had said? I don't have an ego for that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And sometimes my opinions change because I learn new information and I feel like I can take a backtrack on that statement about complete ego death because I don't think you actually completely die as far as an ego. Yeah, dude, I it's very oh man. This is a heavy topic for this episode, right? But yeah, I remember you saying like I've experienced complete ego death and I knew exactly what you meant. Right? Like I think we all kind of did, and then now researching more into it, it's like maybe ego means something else. I think that's awesome because in at least our first episode, if not the others too, we talked about our journey on this podcast was going to be a growth process and we were going to learn on the way and being able to call ourselves out, self-analyze just like you did, Jay. I think that's amazing. One of the things that I thought about while you were giving your explanation was back to the poem, if that we covered in the last episode and I believe it's the second stanza. And it says, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. And now it has another completely different meaning to me. Because when I first heard that, I was thinking about all of these people, you know, like telling you, oh, you can't do it. You're not good enough, blah, blah, blah. And then you, you got to be like, no, I'm good enough. I can do it. And then you also have to shed a little bit of your ear towards them because some of that stuff might be true. And I was thinking of it in an external way. 
but it's almost like it could still be applied when we're talking about ego and just your inner self as well, especially how it defines the difference between the id and the superego. And it's almost like you're doing that in your inner monologue, right? If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, when all men could be the id, right? And trusting yourself is that super ego. Oh man, that's just, <laughs> that's, that's heavy. That is heavy. It's a good correlation. Yeah, Mike, is your mind blown right now? Uh, yeah, I've got brain matter all over my wall right now. <laughs> it's just, my mind is blown. Uh, it, it uh, it reminds me, as you guys were talking about this, like it reminds me of, uh, you know, when I was in the third grade, I remember very succinctly, my third grade teacher said I was such a horrible reader that I would never read again. Like I would never graduate high school or any of like, and that like that plagued me. I let that, that anger just completely control like my whole education career. Uh, you know, but uh, the stoicism journey, right? Uh, you, it's almost like I, th I think of the military as like you, uh, they tear you down to build you back up and make you better, right? Uh, when, uh, when the, uh, with this stoicism, like you are, you're tearing down your ego and you're building it back up in a better way. Uh, that's, that gives you more skills to, um, to handle criticism and feedback. So I got to chime in. Another mind blown thing is, man, I'm pretty, I don't remember if it was the last episode or the episode before, but I talked about a stoic quote and it says, man cannot rebuild himself without pain for he is both the sculptor and the marble. And Mike, your, your description of what this all means, that's exactly where I went to right there. You're tearing down that ego like as a whole and then trying to rebuild it in a more balanced way. That yeah, that was really awesome. Last uh definition here for ego. In philosophy, ego can refer to the concept of self or individual identity, particularly in the context of the subjective experience of consciousness. Some philosophical traditions, such as as extensionalism place a strong emphasis on the importance of individual ego in shaping one's experience of the world. So this is this is the the definition that I kind of lean a lot towards. Um, I know that ego can encompass the the definition of you know the id and the ego and the super ego. But I think that the complete opposite of what the ego is, is consciousness. It's some sort of just, it's that, that same story that's described in everything, right? 
your your good versus evil, your 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 angels versus demons, your 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 negative, you know, versus your positive. That's the super the the ego versus the consciousness. It's the same thing. It's just a whole different um, definition for it. That we we just that's the description for it. It's just it's, it feels like it's all the same thing, right? Your negativity is what drives you into dark places where. You know, you can describe them as demons, right? Um, we we have this depictions of you know, you know, disfigured, morphed, you know, creatures, but it can feel like that inside your head when you're having you know dark times, and that's part of the ego. And then you have you know your cockiness, where you know people say, "Oh, he acts like he's the you know the freaking devil or something." That's the ego as well. So I think all of that is, 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 is all kind of the same thing. I mean, it's just a different definition for the same thing. And I think at the, at the very least, this seems to be something that makes a lot more sense where it's just, it's, it's those characteristics that fall under what the ego is that just is what, what would be the fall of a man, right? It would be the fall of a person because if they get too consumed by it, they can't. They can't realize the other side, the consciousness side, the 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 side of humi- the humility, of humbleness, of not not feeling like you need to continue to stroke or validate or satisfy that super ego or the ego in itself. What do you think about that, uh, Mike? As far as that uh, description or definition, it makes a lot of sense. I never have really thought of it like that. Um... It, but it it does make a lot of sense that uh, that the your ego would be kind of a double edged sword, right? Uh, like you were saying earlier, we kind of do need some a little bit of ego, but we got we got to control it, right? Um, but if we let that ego uh, control us, uh, it it leads to people, you know, saying, "Oh, he's just he's just cocky, right? He I, he, he knows everything." He He's God's gift to man, you know. Um, but it, it definitely is that, that double-edged sword for sure. One of the other questions that, um, that I had asked here was to provide how the Stoics viewed ego. And our response here was, the Stoics had a unique perspective of the concept of ego. According to Stoic philosophy, the ego, or the sense of self, is an illusion that causes suffering and prevents individuals from achieving true happiness and inner peace. The Stoics believe that the ego arises from our attachments to external things, such as wealth, status, and reputation. These attachments create a false sense of identity, leading us to believe that we are defined by these external things. As a result, we become attached to the things that we believe define us and we suffer when we lose them man hopefully this isn't a spoiler alert for those listening and you guys too but this directly reminds me of a quote from the book and movie fight club and i'm just gonna do part of it uh it's gonna be a uh, something that tyler durden said from fight club and that's you are not your job you're not how much money you have in the bank 
You are not the car you drive. You are not the contents of your wallet. End quote. When we're talking about this, I'm glad the first thing that you said was wealth in there because we've all heard that that phrase, that term, whatever it's called, uh, money corrupts people. Money corrupts people. And then again, we've heard the other term, more money, more problems, right? And I think that's, that's in a nutshell, the, the financial piece of what you're talking about. The reason why I opened it up with the, the Fight Club quote, though, it's because it doesn't have to do with just money. People get hung up on trying to be someone else. And that, that's, I think, the ego definition that like we were just talking about is, you know, everybody, all of us want to be accepted and we want to be liked and all of those things. That's a, that's a normal, like, basic human, like, concept. But oftentimes we find people clung on to these material things. Like anytime you, you look at uh, rich people, like sure, like at, at the award ceremony or whatever, they're, they're dabbed up, they're all dressed in nice drip and whatever. I don't know what the kids are saying nowadays, but they're, they're dressed nice. But then you watch TMZ and they're wearing like freaking looks like a shirt that they had from the first grade, you know, and, and they're wearing uh, the dad Nikes and the, and the, the slips and all that stuff. And I think a lot of people that aren't that way want to be that way. So then they, they end up like, you know, trying to buy that and they want to become this title and they keep telling theirs themselves that inner monologues, like I am this person, I am this person when really it's, it's taken them down for that dive. Mike, what you got for us? So as you were saying that reminded me of a quote from Marcus. Uh, the whole future lies in uncertainty. Live immediately. So uh, just to pile on what you were saying, like the reason we want to gain material things is so we we can have some certainty into our future, right? But when Marcus is saying this, like the future is uncertain, regardless of how much we try to prepare for it, right? Um, we need to live right now. Um, and I think it ties directly into, this quote ties directly into um, how our ego affects our drive for wanting those material things right? Because we want, we want that future, right? For we want, we want to be accepted into that future. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think, uh, the drive for material things, um, is directly enforced by, uh, by our ego. Yes. Uh, I agree with that. And then I also bring up, because I also believe that with, with that particular part, as far as the ego and obtaining of just material things, I think that some of the material things that a lot of people obtain is activating their dopamine. 
and these things are falsely uh they're falsely kind of giving these people they're giving these pe uh, people a false sense of happiness because they think that this particular thing is going to bring me happiness and it and it and it does right in some cases it does but how long does that last how long does the new shiny thing feel like it's still the same thing i've been in it in that situation so many times i'm of the of the three of us i'm the uh very tech savvy guy i've I've been always known to buy, you know, the latest and greatest of whatever because I'm, I, I like these things, right? Um, and and don't get me wrong, there's, you know, owning certain things and being able to, you know, have these certain things as far as a luxury of comfort. Mm -hmm. It's 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 a, a it's a a privilege that I have, you know. It, it, you know, coming from this country and then being able to work and, and being able to say, you know, like, okay, I'm going to purchase this because I, I feel like I deserve it. But that's just not the case. It's just because I, that's a desire. It's a desire from my ego that I would like to obtain that, that item because I think also that it's going to bring me some sort of happiness. And it, it could for a certain time, but then that just becomes an expensive instant gratification that doesn't last for a long time. So is it worth it? You know, certain people will probably purchase something like that on credit just so that they can have it right away. <clears throat> but then you end up having to pay more for it. And you get yourself in situations like that. So in, in some cases, it's like, cool, like I'll... I'll, I'll save up as long as it takes and then when i actually purchase it then i value it more and it feels more like something that i that i work my ass off to try to obtain it and, but obviously you can't do that with a lot of things um so yeah th there's there's just the the whole you know the dopamine thing a lot of people just fall into that where they just they continuously have to keep reactivating that dopamine. So it happens a lot. I see it with a lot of different types of things, right? Like clothing, you know, shoes. Let me, don't get me started on shoes. Uh, you know, there's so many avenues. I, I used to be into uh, vinyl figures. I used to collect vinyl figures <laughs> like 15 years ago. I don't remember now. <clears throat> and I had a huge collection and it, it, it was, I was spending so much money on that. The only good thing is that it's, it was like, I guess like stocks, I guess they increased in value because they were all limited edition stuff. So I was able to double my, my spending that I had, um, after I sold them. But with that, it got to one point where I actually looked around my room full about three, 400 different dunnies. Um, I had all different types of exclusive ones. And I and I looked around and I said, "This this is never going to stop. They're going to continuously keep releasing stuff. I'm just going to continue spending. This is not worth it." So I, I made a conscious decision and said, "Fuck it, I'm just going to sell it." And I did, and I used it for you know good cause. 
uh, we ended up moving to Portland with that money. <clears throat> but um, yeah, that that's that was one of the first times that I realized, like, okay, even though I have this stuff, at some point, it it's not going to be the same thing. It's not going to feel the same way about purchasing, you know, another one of these things to add to my collection of things. It just you exhaust that the dopamine, you know, runs out. Like it's not, you're going to need to find a new thing to activate. that. I'm just really sorry, Jay, that when you sold that record to come move to Portland, that you had to work with Nate. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly where my mind went. I think you got it confused. They're not a uh, vinyl records. They were vinyl figures. So they were little figurines like the toys. Oh, I I totally uh, I totally read that wrong. <laughs> I have one around here. So just think about like those Funkos, the uh, you know all the different characters that they oh, have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one back here. Yeah, a like, Batman back there. Uh, but they yeah. they were all all individually. They're all designed by like specific actual artists, and they would design them in their style, and then they would release series in blind boxes. So I would buy cases of these blind boxes, and I would sell the doubles. So there was a whole like, it was a lot. It, it took a lot. So I was deep in it, and eventually I was like, eh, it's not, it's not, this is not good. This is not good. I gotta, I gotta bail out. I, I got out at a good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Good. I'm glad it paid off. So what I'm thinking about right now is this quote from Seneca that says, being poor is not having too little, it is wanting more. I'm pausing right there because that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. That could mean money, uh, relationships, status, all of those different things. Poor doesn't have to be directly related to finances, right? At the same time, it can be as well. Uh, you know, they have those memes out there and it's like, uh, you know, like the kid goes and visits a farm and, you know, it's the kids from a rich family goes and visits the farm and, you know, comes back and the dad's like, now do you see what it's like to be poor? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, dad. Like those people are rich. They have fun. They get to do all this stuff. And so it's more of a mindset thing. And that quote from Seneca, being poor is not having too little, it is wanting more, that could that could be money. Like, oh man, if I just had a little bit more money, like I'd be able to, to buy that thing. If I just had uh, a, a slightly higher title at my job, I'd be able to do this. If I just, if I just, and it makes me think of what my dad used to tell me when I was growing up. And every time, every time I asked him for something, he'd say, hey, if you shit in one hand and want in the other, which one's going to fill up faster? <laughs> and like, it's funny, but I didn't get it for the longest time, which is kind of sad, but I'm glad I finally did get it because the shit is the need, right? And the want is all of those things. Even though the earth is small, we're in this universe, all this stuff, there's a lot of things that your mind can start thinking about and racing through. And if you get your ego involved, you're never going to be satisfied, right? So being poor 
is not having two littles wanting more. I think you need to work with what you got. And I think it's kind of like along the lines of uh, what we were talking about in the last podcast is um, you don't like for vacations, you don't need to get away. You just need to become a different person. And it's all I think that's about balancing that mindset. Jay, what you got? Right. With what you said about um, vacations, it reminds me of something that I thought about. I feel like I actually spoke about this last episode, but if I didn't, um, something that I've kind of thought about as far as like vacations for me. I I, I like I like going to places to kind of enjoy like a little bit of the tourist like side of it. But for the most part, I go out of my way and I'll just go start looking at other things that are in the city that are not like super well known. Um, Because I would rather like the way that I see it, I want to go experience it kind of like like the locals do. I want to be able to go live there for three days, not vacation there for three days. I want to be able to enjoy whatever it is that they enjoy, because in a lot of places, a lot of cities, you, you like I, from traveling, I noticed that a lot of like the downtown areas where everybody goes for like the touristy areas, <clears throat> that's all kind of designated for that, right? A lot of the local people probably don't even go there that often because it's just so expensive. They don't they don't frequent in there, um, and you you what you get there is just people that are just traveling around a lot of times or just. Uh, how like people like to call them the bougie people that live in those areas and and um yeah I, I just i like going to places where you know regular people live the people that 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 are from there that way you get a good sense of what it is like to live to be there what 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 do these people sound like what do these people like you know to listen to what is their their vibe that's that's the kind of things that i like looking at when i go out there uh let me just uh, finish up here with with uh, this stuff on ego. Um, <clears throat> the to overcome the ego and achieve inner peace, the Stoics recommended practicing self awareness, detachment, and acceptance of the present moment. They believe that individuals should focus on their inner selves rather than external things, and cultivate virtues such as wisdom, courage, and self control. So. We were talking about about poor and rich and wealth, right? <clears throat> I think one of the, the the definitions that I have for that now is to be rich is someone who lives stress free from their mind. I think that's the rich person. A rich the rich person that doesn't have to every day worry about you know, life's daily shit that they have to deal with. The rich person is able to just brush it off and just understand that that's life and just continue moving and doesn't let that any of the emotions um, get to them. You know, they might like because they're humans, they might end up in situations where they're aggravated or their anxiety, their anxiety kicks in, their stress levels kick in, but then they're able to kind of talk that down because they still have that control. I think that's what a rich person is. I think uh, when you when you get to that point, 
that's what wealth is. That's to be rich is, is someone like that. What up, listeners? We wanted to take a moment to express our gratitude for your support and for taking the time to tune into our podcast. We value your feedback and recommendations, and we'd love to hear your stories about how stoicism or any other self-improvement practice has impacted your journey. Please send your stories or any info you'd like to share with us to thestreetstoics at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at The Street Stoics to stay connected and receive latest updates. If you enjoy our content, please consider subscribing, liking, and sharing with others. Thank you again for being part of our community. Definitely. I mean, uh, being rich or poor is, is definitely a mindset, right? Um just to kind of go back to the vacations thing um you know the when we think of <clears throat> being rich like you're you're able to travel wherever you want to and buy all the stay in the fanciest places and uh do all the disneyland things and all that stuff right um but when when you're talking about traveling jay when uh like going to the places and experience the place like like the locals do right you're going on vacation to uh, become rich in knowledge and expand uh, your what what you're trying to improve your position in life through experience instead of picking up extra shifts so you can have an extra thousand bucks on your paycheck, right? And and I know I'm guilty of it too, right? I, I try to pick up overtime. Uh, stress out over over getting the bills paid all that stuff um and i think that's just a kind of a human nature um and we are gonna we are gonna trip up we are going to um get stressed and all but it's how you how you how you how do you land right how do you land and and keep your balance uh and and doing things to improve where you uh, improve how your your way of living, uh, not through finances, but through through knowledge. Since you guys shared quotes earlier, I wanted to bring up one that I had lined up here on the topic. Yeah, what you got for us? Pull it up. All right, this one is from Heraclitus. To be even-minded is the greatest virtue. Wisdom is to speak the truth and act in keeping with its nature. So this particular is what I I was trying to talk on, right? About take no sides, analyze both sides, take your time understanding what you feel you need to argue or support. Understand that sometimes it's not worth supporting a particular side. Both can be wrong. Look for alternatives. Don't place yourself on a side that will only cause division on a matter you don't have full understanding of or are supporting. Don't take the sports fans approach with things outside of sports. Try and understand why people are supporting or backing one argument, party, religion, etc., over the other. No one 
point of view, belief, or opinion is 100% based on facts. It's all belief, and that's not strong enough to argue till death, when there's no such, when there's so much out there to understand. Focus on understanding and teaching instead of arguing to make a point. That's your ego. Keep it quiet or kill it. <clears throat> so that's something that I wrote on one of the quotes that I shared a couple of weeks back. That's, that's part of how I also see, you know, being able to have control of that ego, right? To be able to be unbiased, to be able to understand that everyone has their own opinion and that just because you have one that you only know about, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's right all the time. We always speak upon things from our perspective and we're, we know what our perspective is and we completely have, you know, we know it front and back, but no one else does. And that's why sometimes either you're good at being able to inform or communicate what that perspective is or you take the very narcissistic ego, super ego approach of just telling people that you're right and that their side is wrong because you just don't want to understand or give it a chance. So yeah, that's that's just to conclude on on all this stuff with uh, with ego. I think uh, just taking that approach with a lot of things, right? Just being unbiased and try to be more understanding of things is a good way to you know combat uh, being giving in to to that ego um to you know practice trying to you know be a little bit more passionate do things with purpose focus on realism humble you know humility and be present because we live only in the now so Focus on now and be understanding that we're all living here with our own perspectives. And just because you know one side doesn't mean that you're always right. I agree. I agree. Man, this this is definitely I, I said this earlier, but this is this is a heavy topic for a podcast, right? Uh, ego, the id, oh man, it's fantastic. When you were talking, it reminded me yet again of that second stanza from If, (laughs) right? I keep saying that, but, oh man, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. I mean, it, it really is. It really is. And the whole basis behind stoicism, that logos, just things are the way they are. And I love that you talked about, you know, past, present, and future. And the whole reason we call the present present is because it's a gift and it's the only thing that really exists. And if we feed too much into that id or the negative side of our ego, then those things can cause things like anxiety and depression 
And both of those things are related to thinking too much about either the past or the future. Anxiety, usually driven, and this is just general, I'm not a doctor or anything, we got the disclaimer on there, right? This is not Dr. Nate show. Uh, but usually, anxiety is caused from thinking a lot or too much or whatever about the future. Depression, generally, is thinking about the past. And the whole basis behind stoicism is to live in the moment, to be present. I think that's all we're, we're all really looking for. And I think that's why we enjoy stoicism so much is because it's a, it's a foundational blueprint on how to be more present all the time. On our other community Discord, we got people chiming in, asking us this, that, and the other thing. I'm not going to bring it up because I don't have their permission. But it's a lot of life advice and how do you apply stoicism to that, And which is awesome because we all get to work through that together and feed off of other people's perspectives. But it's a task. It's a task that we have to be conscious of and we have to force ourselves to be in the present. And that's why when we talked about uh, memento mori and amor fate and carp diem and all those different things in the other in the other episodes those are all phrases or i'm not sure what we're calling them right now but those are all reminders to just live in the now live in the now if we're thinking too far ahead your ego is going to start taking over or the id part of your ego now that I'm a little bit more educated, is going to be taking over your conscious state of mind. What do you guys think? Dude, that was, man, this was a mind-blowing freaking episode. Yeah, it was It was pretty mind-blowing for sure. Uh, I just wanted to add uh, to your list, uh, add one thing uh, to help... Um, just on the perspective and like not letting your ego get away, get in the way of seeing somebody else's perspective. Um, empathy. Uh, without being empathetic to other people's life experiences, you're not, you're, you're losing the opportunity to learn something from that person. Um, Empathy, empathy in, in that regard um, is a huge, huge thing to help control your ego is just meeting somebody where they're at and understanding why, why do they believe the way they believe, right? And I think, I think what we're talking about now, like this could change society if, uh, if everybody caught on to this, right? That's exactly how I feel, like. If everyone were to take that approach, I think everyone would be a little bit more understanding to, you know, see that there's somebody that's probably super frustrated in front of us in line at a grocery store, and you just see how just very negative, you know, the, the, whole, the whole scene is. If you can just 
try to put yourself in that person's shoes and try to understand what type of environment that they came from growing up and and what kind of you know lifestyle they probably have you probably be, understand that that's kind of where that's coming from that <clears throat> this person isn't able to have that control over themselves because they haven't been able to figure that out and you live in a reality in this you know world in this existence where Every single individual person has that whole little thing that made them who they are. And for a lot of people, they weren't able to regulate that. They have problems of aggression. They have problems of anxiety, you know, super, you know, depressed. They, they're just stuck in those situations because they can't, they don't know how to figure out how to get out of that. They just, their lifestyle was completely different than yours for you to even fathom how certain things affected them in such a way where now it's still causing them problems. And if we took that approach to be able to see that there's people like that out there, that everyone has all these different things that they're going through, then we'd be able to kind of have that empathy and have that, you know, humbleness to say, okay, you know, I'm not going to add to this problem. I'm going to be a little bit more understanding. I'm not going to react in a way, you know, oh, this person's being super negative to me. You try to reason with them, try to have them understand, like, hey, man, you know, don't, it's, it's not as bad as you think it is, or just, you know, come down, let me, let me, let's work this out. Um, yeah, we can solve a lot of problems just with that, right? Uh, just reduce tension. That's all. Uh, right now, I think a lot of times the, the problem is that everyone doesn't know what the other person is thinking and they just probably think that they're thinking the worst. So that's why a lot of the problems that we have going on is, is just that. I love that you use that analogy of, you know, like something going wrong, grocery store, whatever. Uh, I, I want to say it's kind of like a clash of egos, right? Mike was talking about the empathetic approach and you were agreeing with that. That's exactly what you were believing and how we could change a lot of things as human beings. Uh, I think this clash of egos is because our perception of what reality is. And so let's use the grocery store thing, right? We're waiting in line and we've probably all experienced it or heard about it. Somebody gets mad either at the cashier or somebody else or maybe themselves. They forgot something and it's this thing, right? Well, what are they mad about? <laughs> you don't know. You have no idea what they're mad about. You're judging them based on whatever behavior you're seeing. And you just relate that to negative, like a negative behavior. Like uh, even when it comes to your kids or your family members, somebody's yelling, screaming, punching a wall, whatever. We're focused on the behavior, but the empathetic and stoic thing to do would be to instill or input curiosity into that moment. Be curious. What triggered that event? What, what demand didn't get met, right? So when we you know, look at criminals or look at these negative behaviors, whatever those things are, basically, we're just looking at the behavior and we're serving our own needs and purpose, that selfishness, that id, by only looking at the behavior and making sure that our demands are met by having them stop. 
and we could probably help someone else or even help ourselves in those situations if we were just a little bit more curious about it. Why is this person doing that? We might be able to save some people jail time, making bad decisions, maybe brighten up their day if we were a little bit more empathetic. Somebody's yelling, what's going on? Why are they yelling? Right? You don't have to have an ego like, you're not going to yell at me. <laughs> then you're becoming this title of this id, right? Who says nobody can yell at you? Who cares? Why do you care? Are you sure you actually care? Right? So just be curious. What, what, what's, what's going on with this, this event? Right? Oh, man. That's what it's, I call... That's what I call the uh, the stupid rules of society, right? right. <clears throat> the ones where there's certain things that you know you certain people don't want you doing in certain environments, and it's like it's how, how what's probably the best way to do it? It's just say like you're at a park, right, and you're you're having fun with your family there, but you might have super loud music or, you know, you're doing something that that's typically not done at the park. Right. And someone just has a problem with it because that's not something that you do here at the park. It's like, okay. Like who's okay. What's the problem? Right. It's why, 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 why are people enforcing, you know, rules like trying to kill fun from people just because Someone decides, oh, we're not going to have that. I mean, I understand in certain cases, you know, safety reasons and whatnot, but a lot of times people just get involved and just want to enforce stupid rules in certain areas where it's just like, this is this is nonsense. Like, like you have to be dressed a certain way to get into this particular uh, club, restaurant, or whatever establishment. It's like, yeah, here we go, just enforcing a societal rule that now it just becomes normal. And then every time everyone wants to go to a particular place that's like this, they always think that they have to be dressed like this. And I've learned that the hard way because I've moved around. I grew up in Miami where, you know, you, you better go dressed up every single place always. And then I move around and then I always show up at places like, all right, well, it looks like everyone's just dressed like they were at 2 p.m. at their house on a Saturday afternoon, and they just come out, and it's just like, all right, I guess we're all just dressing down. <laughs> and I had to get used to that. I was like, all right, well, people everywhere else don't dress like that. And it's just like a societal thing, like right? The society decides these type of weird rules, and then it just sticks with certain people. And I don't know. I think that's also kind of like close to what you know, the ego and stuff be looking at your best at all, at all these different places it's just like to stroke whose ego in those you know establishments because everybody wants to look better than the next person why why is that necessary you, you just described your move you know, your uh when you lived in portland didn't you with, with uh, people dressing down <laughs> Yes, yes, that is definitely. It's, it. And then I moved to Austin. Call a spade a spade. <laughs> and then I moved to Austin, and it might as well have been, you know, the Portland of the South. Because it's <laughs> right. the same thing. Yep. Awesome places, by the way. Oh, and San Francisco as well. <laughs> 
<laughs> without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, the whole time we're talking about this, I'm just thinking about, I want to believe it's a, a Marcus Aurelius quote, but this doesn't have to affect you. It might not be Marcus. I, I don't recall who said it, but it doesn't have to affect you. And if we're thinking about the negative parts of the id in our ego, our anger, our anxiety, our depression, like all those different emotions that we feel because we're human beings, it doesn't have to affect you. It's simple but not easy to say you have to make a decision to let something hurt you, especially when it comes to words. And I know that might be a touchy subject this day and age, right? Especially with freedom of speech and all those different things. But we have to make a conscious decision to let something else infect our minds. Uh, when we were looking up the Zeno stuff or the Zeno episode or the history of Stoicism, it talked about Zeno's shipwreck. And when I was looking into quotes regarding Zeno and the shipwreck and all those different things, because it's an interesting rabbit hole to go down, a boat doesn't sink unless water gets inside. A boat does not sink unless water gets inside. So just like your mind, your mind is the boat in this metaphor, those external circumstances, words, whatever, unless you let them in your mind and make that decision to let them in, you're not sinking. All right. So that is episode five for the Street Soak podcast. That's a wrap, boys. How are we feeling about this episode so far? I'm looking forward to looking forward to editing this and not taking a long time. <laughs> Sounds good. I know my mind's been blown like three times this whole episode. So Yeah, dude, this this was a heavy one. I, I like doing this. I like to get all the different perspectives. If you all listening are interested in hearing more, stay tuned for the next episode of the Street Stoke podcast. That's a wrap. Later, guys. Later. Peace.